When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And we've got the usual busy show in store. Today, we'll bring you two exclusive interviews. Firstly, Ben Stokes sits down with Harmy to reflect on being named the New England Test Captain, whilst the new Managing Director of England Men's Cricket, Rob Key, also speaks exclusively to us. As well as that, we'll look back at an eventful round four of the County Championship and find out more about a new women's T20 tournament which has just started in Dubai. Plenty to get stuck into. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. All right, without further ado, Harmy and um, New England men's captain Ben Stokes sat down just a couple of minutes ago. First of all, Ben, congratulations on England captain. Any hesitation when Keezy asked you? No, none. None whatsoever. No, you, you, I don't think yeah, that's a job that is an easy thing to, to ever turn down to anybody. Um, obviously, you've got to put some thought into it because it's not just a yeah, all right, I'll have it a go. You know, there's a lot of things to consider, but no, there was no hesitation. And how will the England side look? I don't know how close you are to Joe. How will the England side look under Ben Stokes? I think one thing that I've always wanted in you know teammates and people who I play with is, is selflessness and always making sure that at the top of everyone's mind is what can what can I do, what can we do to to win this game. And I think having that message sort of at the top of everyone's mind is, is a very good place to start. So yeah, I think that's a very good starting point. And you took a time away from the game me, I know that more than anybody, what it's like to be, um, to struggle mentally. It's not like a broken leg. It's not like a busted knee. It's not an easy fix. When you said there was no hesitation, how how did that go through your mind? Because it's it's such a difficult thing that I don't think, from talking from experience here, I don't think it ever goes away mm. um, with the pressures of what the job entails. 
Uh, how are you going to manage that? No, I think, you know, it's a very fair question to ask. And I think one a, a very good way to answer it is that, you know, obviously what you don't want to do is, you know, almost make mental health like a stigma uh, or anything like that. And, you know, I chose to take time out of the game because I needed to at that time. And, you know, I've, um, you know, I now speak to people and I will continue to speak to people. But for me, having gone through quite a lot of experiences, you know, in my cricket career on the field, off the field. I see that as a very powerful thing, well, powerful thing for me to have experienced because I have an understanding of what on the field things can sometimes do to people, what off the field things can do to people because I'm hope that if anybody else, whilst I'm in charge, feels like something might be getting a little bit too tough for them or on top of them, that they can come to me because I've been there so I don't see it as, you know, as some people might write it, as a negative thing. You know, if anything, I see it as a, as a positive thing that me being captain, having gone what I've gone through over the last couple of years, you know, can hopefully help not just young players, but, you know, older players as well, if they ever feel like they've gone through a tough time. Because I can relate to them. Does that make it an easier decision for you to take the captaincy of what you have gone through? Because from 18-year-old, me sitting here in this very building downstairs, seeing you come in, make your debut for Durham, go through the whole career that you have, you know, how proud I am watching you develop your career, and you've had the roller coaster you have, does that make it easier to lead people because you have got experiences that, you know, whatever the problems come, I've been through it? I'm not, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it makes it easier, I think it just gives just an understanding of mm. more things, mm. you know, like sometimes it can be very just you know like so focused on what is needed out there mm. that once that's done once the day's finished you know like some people might not have an understanding of what actually people can feel like once they're done mm. because you almost feel like when you're out there everything else just sort of leaves you for that moment but then when you're off the field you know obviously that's when life is comes back to normal so as i said you know i feel that if anything it's just a massive positive doing the role that I'm now expected to do, whilst also having a lot of experiences mm. off the field throughout my career. So, yeah, I don't see any negative in it whatsoever. There's been a lot of, and there will be, there's always a lot of talk about the the comparison of Flintoff and both and stuff like that. The all-rounder, does he take too much on? Do you think getting the captaincy, because a lot of England captains come in around about sort of 24, 25, 26. Do you think you could put that all-rounder tag to one side because of the amount of cricket you've played and the experience you've got because you're getting the captaincy probably at the right time for you closer to 30 well look I've had the flint off both and tag follow me around <laughs> since I was 18 years old and I've always said the same answer is I'm not trying to be Andrew Flintoff I'm not trying to be Ian Botham you know I am Ben Stokes mm. and being an all-rounder you know like it's it's an amazing role to do because you can impact the game in all four innings in a test match and one thing that you know I'll be naive to do is to not take advice from people around me yeah. you know I always I've always felt that making people feel like they are being listened to and have the opportunity to speak about anything is a key thing to be as a leader and not just thinking your way is the only way because you know, if you feel like that, then I don't think you're going to get many people following you. So, you know, there will be times on the field where I do ask 
what do you think? Like, is this the time for me to do something? You know, I, I remember doing that in my first test match against West Indies. You know, I used Joss a lot um, to ask him what he thought, and I'll, I will always continue to, to ask other people's opinions. Um, because yeah, I think that's a that's a good mark of a leader is always making sure that you've got other people's opinions and feel like they can voice what they want to say. And finally, Keyes, you mentioned first thing you wanted, well, first thing was Broaden Anderson to come back. Do you think it was the right idea at the wrong time from the Caribbean point of view? Um, and where do you stand on Broaden Anderson coming back into the fold? Um, look, I, I'm not going to focus on or, or worry about what had, what's gone on in the past. Um, for me, it's about what we do from now and then how we operate from June the 2nd when the test matches start. Um, in my opinion, I, I always want to have the, the best 11 available to pick to go out there and win a game for England. And if James Anderson and Stuart Broad fit, they're up for selection. On behalf of TalkSport, <clears throat> wish you all the very best, Benjamin. Thanks, Harmy. Get that frog out of your throat. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was Harmy speaking to Ben Stokes. He's now had a goggle. The frog is out of his throat. Um, he, uh, Harmy, he sounded really, really positive, but you sat there looking into his eyes. Do you think, did you pick up any semblance of doubt whatsoever? I mean, he's not a doubting man, is he? None whatsoever. My my outlook in the way I, the way I look at Ben Stokes can't get any higher, to be honest. Everybody knows and have heard me on, on Talk Sport and the Collective and the commentary about what respect I've got for the young man, what he's been through, what he has to go through, the life he lives because of he's England's great, you know, one of England's greatest ever all-rounders. And I sat in front of a young man who I've known since 15-year-old and the look in his eye and the way he speaks about that, he spoke about being the honour, the pride about being captain. I think in the ECB have had a good week. I really do. I think what Keezy said, and I'm biased again because he's one of my best mates, but I think England have had a good week. I've sat with you know, five or six of the, the mainstream stream journalists who've covered cricket for hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, Paul Newman, Dean Wilson, they said about Keezy's press conference, it was brilliant, refreshing, honesty. None of the, you know, the, the ECB nonsense, none of the sort of management spiel it was just said how it is exactly the way he did on the commentary like see where he is in four or five years time hopefully he's had a good run at it he might be a bit different but I think the ECB have had a good week Ben Stokes I think will be a very very good captain Cross the question the question I posed to him about at the right time 30 year old is this the right time a lot of England captains get it in their sort of mid-20s because they're the best player they've had a great start to their careers Ben's been through a lot and when you talk about, Rob Key talks about empathy. But I think he's, because of the way he is as a person, because of the experiences he has had in personal and professional life, then I think that's what will make him a good leader. But you know, Manners, you've been one of them written journalists who have done it for hundreds and hundreds of years. You're only as good as the players that you, you play with and the team that you've got. And unfortunately, at this minute in time, they're one from eight, one from 17. And somehow, like you said, we've got to try and get back to picking the best 11 and winning cricket matches. And finally, just to expand a little bit more on about the management of his workload. Is he, is he able to do that? Um, I think he will be able to. We've never really touched on that. I think that is something the new coach, the new selection system. I'm intrigued to see where this goes. If you have a head coach of the white ball team, if you have a head coach of the red ball team, for me, you need a selection panel. Don't think you need a head selector. I think you need two, possibly three, in management roles to pick squads 
and they manage the group. So you're basically, as a captain, this is who you've got. Um, I'm sure the, the, the captain and the coach will have an input in it and who gets rested and what, where and when. But I think if you're going to go down a split coaches route, I think you need the coach to coach, you need the captain to captain, and you have the selection unit to pick, pick and choose the group that the captain gets to go on the field, you know, gets a chance to take on the field. And it's done in such a way that it's made best use for everybody because there's a handful of players, Stokes, Archer if he's fit, Wood if he's fit. There's, there is one or two more that play cross formats that have to be managed. Um, and the biggest one for me is managing Ben. For me, I'd just play him in major tournaments in white ball cricket. I wouldn't play him in any other cricket other than major tournaments and let him captain the red ball team. But would he be happy doing that? And the other thing is, Harvey, I just, you know, what I meant was when a game has needed breaking open, when, when Joe Roots needed to make something happen, he's gone to Ben Stokes. What's to stop Ben Stokes from going to Ben Stokes and not thinking about tomorrow or next week or next month? He'll always think of the team. He always has done. Um, and not worry about tomorrow. The problem he's got somebody's going to have to stop him. Like in the Caribbean, when I was on commentary, I was going, send him off the field, Joe, and lock him in the toilet. Do not let him come back out because this is not great for him. Shouldn't have been bowling them overs. He's going to have to learn quickly on that, but that's, that's the art of captaincy. That's the art of leadership. He's going to have to, he's going to, have to learn that um, on the job because that's what captains do. That's what leaders do. So, but he will have to have a good lieutenant. He mentioned Josh Butler. Um, I don't think Joss will be coming back, but he said he leaned on Joss a hell of a lot when he captained the England team when Joe was missing for the, 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 the birth. I think it was his second child, but he'll use Joe Root. I've got no doubt whatsoever Joe Root will be a very, very good right-hand man for Ben Stokes, standing next to him at slip or standing where, sitting next to him in the dressing room. And if he wants advice, Joe will give it. I'm sure Joe will keep his own counsel, but I think if something needs to be said, I think Ben will have so much respect for Joe Root you'd be comfortable saying it. And just very quickly, final point, there's talk about Ben's going to need a good vice-captain. I mean, I know it's unconventional and, and people will scoff at me for even suggesting it, but <laughs> wouldn't Joe be the best vice-captain? <laughs> Absolutely. It wouldn't, honestly, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. There's two people that, there's two people that are comfortable in this side and... One was captain, one is captain. And I think that is as simple as that. I've heard Bearstow's name mentioned. I don't think Johnny needs any responsibility other than to go out and play cricket. I don't think you need to name a vice-captain. I think you can name a vice-captain at the time. Team's going out. If I go off the field, you're taking the team in charge. For me, at this minute in time, to get us through the next phase, the players start becoming comfortable in the team, we start winning again. Broad and Anderson can do that job, not a problem at all, because it looks like they're coming back. It certainly does. That's what uh, Rob Key and Ben Stokes have both said. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler and double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. Time now, as promised, here from England's new managing director, Rob Key, who's been speaking with TalkSport's John Norman about the appointment of Ben Stokes as the new test captain. Ben Stokes is a leader without being captain. He's been a leader in this dressing room for a long time. He's one of the best players in the world. He's probably the best cricketer in the world uh, in terms of all the everything he can bring to a team. He's got a very good cricket brain. And the most I think one of the most important things, actually, as well, he's got a lot of empathy. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing for a leader to have. He's got understanding of why people struggle, why they might not be playing as well as they do. And actually, they're the people that makes you, that makes you want to follow. 
And Ben Stokes has got all of those attributes that I think will make him a very good captain. So when you called him to offer him the position, did you ask him or did you have to persuade him? We went, I went up to Durham and spoke with him and he very clear he wanted to do the job. And we spoke about how we both see it going. And he thought about it a lot, actually, and he was very keen to do it. But he wanted to do it as well on his terms, where he had his views on how things should be done. And we, I agree with those. Things like Jimmy and Brody or Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad coming back, he was adamant that he wanted those to come back. But I agreed with that anyway. So those types of things um, made it a very simple discussion, really. And I've, you know, I'm not stupid. I've done enough work as well to make sure that I rang the people closest to him, the people that he trusts the most, and spoke to them. And they all, you know, unanimously, unanimously, if I can say that word, thought that he would be an excellent captain. So it was an easy decision in the end. Was there a plan B? Uh, there wasn't because he was my first plan. So when I spoke to him and he was keen to do it, then it became, you know, I didn't have to worry about that. I actually do think that there would have been people that could have come in in an interim basis and done it, whatever there was. I spoke to Mayan Ali the other day. I thought, I think he's an outstanding captain. I know he's retired from Test cricket. But it might have been a conversation with him. There's people outside of the setup you could have gone to. There were lots of options that everyone's spoken to. I don't think it would have been the case that we wouldn't have been able to find a captain. I just think it was an easy decision as soon as Ben said he was keen. From the outside looking in, maybe unfair to say, but there appears or appeared to have been a timidity about the way England played their cricket at times. What is Brand Stokes going to be? I mean, is there a, is there a mentality? that Stokes brings to the side that you, that you might just see a little bit of a difference on the field and if so what would that be? Well, my, my view with our Red Bull cricket throughout the country at the moment is that we've got to change the mentality of English cricket. We've had far too many timid moments in our Red Bull game over the last few years and what I want really is players actually with the right mentality. You would go out there who are not afraid to put bowlers under pressure but at the same time be able to just soak up moments in the game be smart make good decisions be able to adapt bowlers who can bowl in all conditions spinners who can not only hold an end up but be able to go out there and win a game on the last day of a test match all those types of things and players who compete and never ever take a backward step and that's what I think Ben Stokes epitomises as a cricket and all cricketer and all I want him to do and everyone else is to follow his lead on that he will do that he will change the mentality of English cricket for the better in just his actions, let alone what he does as a leader. And we just need to follow him with that. Well, he's been described as a breath of fresh air, and he certainly is. I don't, I don't know whether he's going to perfect the art of um, bureaucratic gobbledygook and ECB speak, um, which we've all become accustomed to over the years. I think not. I think he will remain very true to himself. I love that comment when he first got the job. He said, now that I've got some skin in the game, we'll see if I'm any good. And he, he's just brilliant. He's just absolutely brilliant. I mean, he's I think he's already won over most of his doubters. He has, and that's you know, always the the first impression, isn't it? You, we always say the first impression leaves it, you know, leaves you standing thinking. Well, the first impression of Rob Key from a the MD's point of view, it was uh, a breath of fresh air. Somebody that this uh, organisation needed. We need to wait to see if proof is in the pudding that he is allowed to do what he, he wants to do and has the the um, the skin in the game, like he says, to, to get his message across. Because if he doesn't, I, I don't see him there till I don't see him there by Christmas. I really don't. He, he's been given a job to do and he'll want to do it. He's been given a, a very, very powerful job and let him make powerful decisions. And if you let him make powerful decisions, I think he'd be very, very good at what 
he does and he will. But he can only do so much. He can only put things in place for the players to hopefully execute the best you know, they, they possibly can be, which is to try and win cricket matches. Because you've got to remember, we are playing against some very, very good sides this summer. We are playing against some tough, tough teams. But I think first impressions were very, very good from Keezy. I might be reading far too much into this, so just tell me if I'm talking rubbish. But when he said that he would have Alex Hales available, was that I, I took it as a p- potential sign that uh, of him saying that he is not going to seek conflict, but he won't avoid it either. And I'm thinking Owen Morgan's determination that that Hales was finished in in the white ball game, um, and yet there is there's Rob Key saying he'd have him available. Yeah, I think I think all Rob Key was. I think he was asked off the back of the Joe Clark question as well. Is Joe oh. Clark going to be available? You know, is Alec? And then when Rob Key said yes, I don't think anybody's should be banned for life, or you know, everybody has to serve their time. Then I'm sure that would have been follow up question, Alex Hales and to Keezy, Yeah, I don't. I don't see the problem. And me personally, I wouldn't pick him, but I would say he's available because at this minute in time. I'm not going to rule him out from playing cricket for England. If I and you'd be stupid to if you're if you're any sort of management role. But you've also then if you trust in a captain, and the captain comes up to you and said, "By the way, I don't want to pick him," and gives valid reasons, then you don't pick him. So I think everybody in the everybody in the country is available to play for England. That's qualified. That can play for England. But you've still got to go with leadership, and you've got to trust leadership. And he's got to bring in two coaches. And he's now got two captains who have got you know, good authority in the game, good authority within the dressing rooms. And if I was Rob Key, I'd be saying, yeah, Alex Hills, Joe Clark, the whole lot, you're available because we want the best team possible on the field. But if Owen Morgan and Ben Stokes comes to me and said, I don't want to pick him and gives this reason, hey, I trust you to be the best captain you possibly can. I'll go with you. All right, let's say uh, we've got four minutes left in this section. Um, so a minute each on the first four county games. Gloucestershire's draw with Surrey um, in Bristol was uh, was a monster. Uh, you wouldn't want to be a bowler there. So Surrey, 603. Jamie Smith, unbeaten, 234. Jordan Clark uh, with 100 as well. Um, and Chris Dent, who's a man seldom spoken about for higher honours, um, unbeaten, 207, as Gloucester replied, with over 400. That was uh, rained out on the final day. So there's that game. Um, and I want to talk to you about Hampshire drawing with Lancashire as well. That game was also ruined on the last day. But um, lots to talk about. 100 in both innings for Nick Gubbins. But what about these bowling figures, match figures? 37 overs, 20 maidens, 6 for 60. Yeah, that's what he would have done in the Caribbean. That's what he would have done in the Caribbean. Everybody keeps on saying, right? I know we, we, we've got to go off on a different topic here. But, good, but the game's... Yeah, James Smith, I think that kid can play. And I think he's just proved that at the Oval, at, um, against Gloucester, what a player he is. I think he's he's destined for, for higher honours. And I think it would have been a good finish, the uh, Lancashire-Hampshire game. I want to know why Matt Parkinson didn't play. I wasn't sure if he was injured or... No. He left him out. Left he wasn't him out injured. Because, yeah, left him out because it was a green seamer. That would worry me from an England point of view. But what wouldn't worry me from an England point of view is James Anderson. The one thing that a captain, we're going to keep talking about captains, control. At the start of every session, Broad and Anderson give you control for the last hour when they, were, when they had finished. And people say, well, would Broad and Anderson done anything different in the Caribbean? Broad, Jimmy Anderson would have done exactly what he did against Hampshire 
in the Caribbean on them three services. He would have gone for an one and a half and over, bowled 45 overs in a test match and took six wickets, five, six wickets. But he would have given the captain ultimate control. And you look at the new ball bowling that was in the Caribbean at Wokeson Overton, it was, it, was, it was all over the shop. It was shambolic. And that is something that Anderson gives you. And I don't want to scoff and have a go at, at, at people, but when they're talking about the captaincy and bringing outside captains in, everybody's talking about Billings and James Vince and next name coming off the list, Tom Abel, who can't get in the team. So why would you make them captain? But I want to see them against top, top bowlers. Jimmy Anderson twice got James Vince. And I think that tells you that you know, there's a class at first-class cricket, which you can be unbelievable at. But when you come up against somebody who is very, very good at test match cricket, then sometimes you can get found wanting. And that's all Anderson did. Bowled straight, took a little bit of weight, took a little bit of doubt, and he gave you no room. You know, your margin for error as a batsman is not there. He will do that to his 50 if he, if he still <laughs> he wants to play that. He probably will. And he, he will. He'll will. do that when he's 50. I want to I want to finish with um, Yorkshire drawing with Kent, but I just want to mention um, great fight back by Essex um, as well, who managed to, to fight out a battling draw against North Ants. Middlesex beat Leicester. Spare a thought for Ben Mike, who took four for 15 and finished 99 not out for Leicester, but 100 for Mark Stoneman. So well-played Middlesex. They really do seem to have got it back on track. I want to finish, though, with the, the Yorkshire-Kent draw. lot to talk about. Zach Crawley can't buy a run at the moment. More runs for Nick Compton, who made 93 in the second innings. Harry Brook, though, 194, continues his magnificent early season form. There's a big 100 for David Milan as well. Yeah, good to see Milan getting, getting runs, holding the, the sort of the experience part of it together. He's probably ship sailed when it comes to, to England. So he's enjoying his red ball, red ball end to his end or near the end in his, his career. Still got a few good years left in him, I think, for Yorkshire. Brooks going to play number five. He's going to bat five for England for me. Stokes bat six in this new regime. Take a little bit of pressure off him. And I think Brook looks as though he's the real deal. He's got a mountain of runs. He's been playing franchise cricket around the world. So he's experienced that. He had a little taste in the Caribbean with the 2020s. I think if there's one player that's come out of county cricket in these first four or five games that you think, right, he could be a shoo-in. I think he might be might be fighting Ollie Pope for that possibly Dan Lawrence spot if Dan Lawrence isn't going to be going to be fit. But it wouldn't surprise me if on the 2nd of June that Harry Brooker's Mechanese England Test Match debut because he's showed not just hundreds. These are big hundreds. These are huge hundreds. And that's what selectors look for because, you know, the concentration, everything that goes with it, shot selection and execution. Having Milan at the other end, Carmen Influence, international player, I think that'll have done him the world of good as well. So good on him. Um, and again, another another draw for another draw for Yorkshire. And you know, they're, they're sitting fourth in the table. Coffee's got to be over the moon, so is Otis Gibson. Um, and the red and the white rose, third and fourth, game behind. Um, they look two good sides. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talk Sport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Still to come in part three. We'll look back at some of the key Division 2 games as Glamorgan almost pull off an extraordinary win. What a great game at Derby. Uh, You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and uh, the one and only Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm delighted to say that uh, we're joined live by Alex Lees and uh, and Maddie Potts to talk a little bit about that draw against Sussex. Obviously, Ch- Chitashwa Pajara's uh, been massively in the runs. But um, Alex Lees, um, let's start with you. They say that possession is four-fifths of uh, the law and you are in possession of an England opening spot and you've, um, you've reinforced that this season with a second hundred. Yeah, I have. Um... Yeah, obviously delighted in the two games that, that I have played that I've got runs. Um, disappointed I've had a little bit of a back injury that forced me out of two games, which was particularly disappointing because, as everyone has seen, the, the wickets are pretty good at the minute. Um, so that's been disappointing. But to come back in and, and obviously get another 100, I was delighted with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I've still got quite a bit of cricket before that first test. So I'm just focusing on really getting my head down for Durham and, just trying to keep getting, getting, getting those hundreds. And uh, tell us a little about about Sean Dixon. An opening stand of 313 in the second dig. That was a decent effort. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Sean's been working hard over the winter. You know, by his standards, he probably hasn't played as, as well as he had liked to do, um, particularly in the red ball stuff. Um, and then he started the season, he's just been unbelievable. His form, you know, he's hitting the ball, his shot making, shoot making has been spot on. So, yeah, I think... You know, be hoping to keep building on that. And I think he's one of those players. He obviously has a triple hundred already in his career. 
he's one of those players that I think once he does get in, he makes big starts. Um, yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a good start of the year. Um, I'm not going to lie, I've worked really hard over the winter to uh, improve my red ball bowling. And I think it's been one kind of facet of my game that's been lacking um, and trying to take a little bit more of a mature approach um, to how I go about things. It was nice to start off and start taking big wickets for, for Durham on these, as Alex says, these pitches are pretty, pretty good at the moment. So it's nice to take some wickets on some pretty good wickets. So a question to both of you. What's it like to have the England captain in the same dressing room? Have you given them a little nudge help uh, for selection? But it's always nice to have an England captain that's probably going to be in your dressing room um, and we'll hopefully have him for a few games, uh, get a share with him. Um, but I think he's, he's great around the boys anyway. Um, so it's just nice to have that guy that's in your corner, really. Yeah, I mean, I have a basket for once dinner every night this week. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. But yeah, um, same as Potts, I think. You have that luxury of having the captain within your dressing room. You know, they obviously get the, um, you know, they have first-hand information about you as a player, uh, the situation that you're playing with within the game and your runs of what did you get. So, of course, anybody would be lying to say it's not, not a, a slight advantage. It certainly is. So, you know, he's been great up in the group for the last few years. I've done him here. And we're very much looking forward to playing with him this next few weeks. You're nearly there. A couple of good draws, but not quite got all the line. Um, it's a case of getting back, familiar surrounding, and trying to get that win on the board because some good teams in that second group. Yeah, I think, um, like I say, I can't, can't comment too much for the, obviously, a couple of the games I did miss, although I was here. I think, you know, four-day cricket, particularly um, when the wickets are good, it's about being the best team over, obviously, a four-day period. And we've played some good cricket over the last couple of years. And I think for us, it's about, like I say, having a solid draw again when we're in a, probably not in a great position. Going to Worcester this week, we want to obviously build on that. And like I say, I think, all it is is getting that first win on the board and then it's like anything in sport, that momentum uh, should have a snowball effect. Finally, from me, um, obviously the primary objective in this sport is to win, but if you can't do that, <coughs> avoiding defeat is, uh, is the next best objective. So when you're 315 behind on first innings and you, and you come away with a draw, it's not as satisfying as, as a win, obviously, but it's still a job well done. Yeah, certainly. I think... Um, you know, we, we knew as a team that I think there was a calmness within the dressing room that we just really underperformed in that first innings with the bat. And I think we sort of had that, you know, that composure that we knew it was a good wicket and it was a case of, you know, getting through that first hour and then it was a pretty, you know, it was a, it was a pretty good batting wicket. And then I think, you know, luckily for us, and some may say, you know, we, were, we obviously deserved it as a, as a pair, but, you know, we got through that new ball. And then, like I say, 300 runs, I think it puts obviously everybody at ease then. But yeah, it was, I mean, we did well, of course, but it was, it was pretty in favour of the batters. And finally, Maddie, um, there's obviously the lure of higher honours, but um, is that a distraction uh, when the spotlight, well, I mean, you're shining the spotlight on yourself, aren't you, really? I mean, are you just concentrating on doing the job for Durham or are you thinking about higher honours? I think we'll be silly to look, to look too far ahead. Um, just taking things one game at a time, making sure, A, first and foremost, I'm fit, um, and B, just making sure I'm taking wickets and hopefully trying to, to win a few games for Durham. Of course well, he is. <laughs> but yes, secretly, yes. I know you've got to both rush off to training, so thanks a lot for your time and uh, very best of luck in the next round at Worcester. No problem. Nice to meet you. Thank nice you. To meet you. Cheers. OK, continuing now. Um, Somerset beat Warwickshire by an innings and 82 runs. 
That was a real turn up for the book. Didn't see that one coming. Somerset uh, have had a very slow start. Warwick's had a terrific win against Essex in their last game. But they got cleaned up by an innings and 82 runs. And um, reliably informed that it's the first time ever that Somerset have had um, batsmen at number two, three and four called Tom. And they all made 50. Tom's Abel, Lamanby and Banton and 100 from Matt Renshaw as well. Um, I mean, I, I particularly enjoyed the unbeaten 34 from Jack Leach as well. You know what I think about lower order runs. What, a, what an amazing game. Um, Somerset have just belted the champions. Yeah, and it was. It was an amazing game where you think, didn't see that coming. Somerset have batted poorly by all accounts so far this season. But it's amazing. You get off to a good start on a good wicket. One, two, three, get runs. And your confidence soon soon sort of picks up in the bowlers. Bowlers split up as well. Overton got a couple of wickets in each innings. Jack Brook, you know, four for forty-four, got some, you know, got some some good wickets. He got some good, you know, good players out. And then it's the first time we've talked about Jack Leach's bowling. I know you got, I know you like the lower order runs, but <laughs> with no Matt Parkinson playing, it's been the Matt Parkinson show so far this season. When it comes to the spinner, Jack's got some overs under his belt so far, but he hasn't really got any wickets. Um, and he picked two up in that second innings in winning wickets, which as a bowler, they're huge. If you get if you get winning wickets, second innings, it's um it's a massive confidence booster for, for, for going forward. But I must admit, the one result I didn't see coming was Somerset. Sorry, sorry, Somerset fans. Um, I didn't see you beating the champions. All right. Um, not we reckoned before before a, a ball was bowled. Um were were sort of well, not champions. Champions in the making of Division Two, but we definitely thought they'd go up. And that was a pretty comprehensive win by five wickets against Worcester. Dane Patterson, the South African, eight for 52 in the first inning, 10 in the match. you got to love Stuart Broad's 45 not out from 20, 27 balls. Ben Duckett with a 50 in both innings. And Joe Clark anchoring the run chase as uh, not needed 233. That's just a really good, solid performance, isn't it, all round? Yeah, good solid performance against a unit, a batting unit that have, have actually performed all right this year in, in Worcester. Libby's got runs and Pollock's got a few runs. So, again, another test of the difference between you know, the good first class and then you know, players that have played that higher coming into the, into the, into the, the fold and you know, the, on the opposition. But it also shows that when it comes to the batting point of view, Brody can belt some first-class cricketers, but when it comes to playing against the Test match ones, he looks as though he bats right-handed. But good for him. Yeah, that'd be brilliant for for Stuart. He doesn't need any confidence boosters. He doesn't need anybody telling him that you're you're looking good and you're bowling nicely. Stuart just needs overs under his belt to get him to the second of second of June. He got four for seventy-two in the second innings. Him and Jimmy are like that resource, ready for the the Grand National or the Derby or whatever. You know, get him, get him to the back end of May and the start of June. You see them bowling properly. Um, and Ben Duckett, another one, young player, somebody who I think Rob Key mentioned as well in his press conference. Hundred each innings last week, fifteen is each innings this week. Knots have got a good side, and rightly so. You mentioned at the start about being one of the favourites. If it was played on paper, Knots probably have got the strongest squad. But we know it's never ever like that. Um, but this time. Not so standing up and they look a very, very good side. And there's nothing like a four-day game that goes to the last 20 minutes with all four results still possible. But that's what happened with Glamorgan and Derbyshire. Uh, you know, the, the thing that stands out for me here is uh, because we, we spoke to Sharma Sud last week and he actually name-checked 
Brooke Guest, the wicketkeeper, he said we've got a keeper who bats at three. Yeah, yeah. You know, not many people have managed to do that. And he scored 100 in both innings. We put the curse on Sean Masood, of course. He had a terrible match, scored just 102. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Manus uh, Labashain, 130 and 85. Just a really, really good game. You got your money's worth if you bought a ticket for that one. Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a good game. You mentioned like all all results possible. And that's what we've had. I think we've had a lot of them this year. We've had a lot of good games. I know we've had quite a few draws, but the games going into the last day, there are there are three results possible. And, you know, whether the the rain or the, the bad lights come in to, to just to sort of finish the game off in a draw. But there has been there has been games that have been, they've gone down to the wire. And that was definitely one of the mentioned charms who'd said last week. At Lackmouth getting five foot. You know, another another import from Derbyshire, and a lot of people will say, "Well, you know, what's how good's that for sort of you know bringing on English bowlers if if Lackmal is a, is coming in and and but he'll bring bowlers on because he's a good cricketer. He'll give a good experience in the dressing room, give you know good knowledge when he's bowling to the younger bowlers who are who are bowling with him at the other end. So. No, I think that's a. It's a good. It was a good game by two good sides who will be who will be up there in the reckoning. I think by the end of end of the season. I almost fell off my chair when I saw that Ryan Sidebottom took four for fifty. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I did as well. I did as well. I thought. I thought. You know what? City's back playing, but I keep. I keep having a double. A, a double look at that when I see when I see Ryan Sidebottom because it's. And I was like. Derbyshire gone for an old man there, and so sorry, Sid, I had to get that one in. This is the Australian Ryan Sidebottom, of course. He's going to try to and win a championship. He's going to try and win a championship with a four, was it third club? He's got two championship million medals by two different clubs. Thought City's gone for going to try and win a second division with another club. Just a just a reminder that Glamorgan needed three hundred and thirty-one to win, and they finished three hundred and ten for eight. So let's finish with um, Sussex drawing with Durham. Durham were uh, with, were, were three nil down at half time, and uh, they managed to come back and draw it three three, with an opening stand of three hundred and thirteen. Alex Lees with his second hundred, and Sean Dixon, he's just piling, piling on the runs. Another one of those South Africans that uh, that slipped out of the country into England unannounced, no fanfare, um, <laughs> and um, he's <laughs> he can't stop scoring runs. He made one hundred and eighty six in that opening stand. Yeah, there was a good there was a good game in the end for, from a Durham point of view. Liam Travaskis as well. He, England, Dad Durham in the real Meyer came in, got eighty eight in that out of that two twenty three lower order runs again. What you like manners, and then he goes and gets five for um, with his left arm spin at, at the other end. Talk to Matty Potts about bowling. The next step step up is a theme in this collective about international honours, playing against international players, playing on good pitches and just going up that level, the ones that, you know, the difference between the good and the great. Well, there's been a lot of talk about how Potts has bowled so far this summer. It's been excellent from Durham's point of view and from the young man's point of view. And he come up against Pajara, somebody who scores runs for fun, absolute for fun. And he got a double hundred, but I think it'll have done him the world of good. Two for 75 a lot of overs, but bowling at somebody that good, who's that disciplined um, and, and done it millions of times for, for India, I think for, for young Potts' education, it would have been so valuable. So all in all, it's a great game for Durham to get out of. Dick, uh, Dixon comes up from Kent, but great signs for Alex Lees. He's going to play in the first test. He has to. You can't, you can't not pick Alex Lees for the first test match. You can't just pick him in three test matches and then discard him. I thought he did everything but get a big score. 
I think he showed good concentration, good defence, solid in the West Indies without going on and getting a big score. He's now got 203 games since he's, you know, from, from a fitness point of view, his back holds up. I think he's a shoe-in for that first Test match and it's good to see scoring runs. Mohamed Rizwan scored uh, 79 for Sussex, but did you see him bowl on the last day? I did see him bowl on the last day. He took an unbelievable catch as well at slip, but I did see him bowl on the last day. And I tell you what's my takeaway from this week. We all talk about rivalries and we all talk about India-Pakistan. It's, it's, it's always a hot topic. They only play each other when big tournaments are on in white ball cricket. But you had Rizwan at one end, you had Pujara at the other end, put on a big score, educating young players at Sussex, because we've mentioned so many times about GCSEs on this show about the, the, the Sussex side. But it, isn't it, wasn't it brilliant, that picture, for world cricket to see an Indian and a Pakistani playing side by side together in a, in, a, in a game of cricket, and they both scored runs. That's why we love the game for me. And in 30 seconds, any standout fixtures that uh, you're going to be keeping an eye on next in the next round? Well, Durham go to Durham go to Worcester, so that's the one that I'm intrigued to to see how how they go. And the first division, Essex, you know, waiting for for Yorkshire to come down the road. That will be a, a good game. But Anderson, if he's, if Anderson's going to play, Anderson against Sibley, Lancashire against uh, Warwickshire, reigning champions against a team who I think will will be very, very much challenging uh, come the end of the season in the red row. So there are some good games, um, but for me, Lancashire, Warwickshire, that'll be the, for, for me, that's the game of the week. And don't forget, for more content on the County Championship, you can listen to our brand new show, Following On County Cricketer, which is released as a podcast on the Following On feed every Thursday morning from 5am, with it going out on TalkSport 2 at 9am. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England and Durham fast bowler Steve Harmison. Now, as promised at the top of the show, we're joined from Dubai by Georgie Heath uh, to discuss the Fairbreak Invitational T20. I can tell you the bare bones of it. Six teams, 19 games, played over 15 days, players from over 30 countries. It's running connection with Cricket Hong Kong. Uh, and that's it, Georgie. That's all I know. Tell us more. Oh, there's so much more. So, yeah, teams from literally all over the world. It's mad. So one of the teams, the Warriors, who will be rocking the yellow outfits, um, they've got players from 13 countries in one squad, which is just insane. So it's, it's one of those things. It's a global tournament bringing together players from all over the world rather than just the teams we hear about. We've got associate nations. We've got players from Bhutan, UAE, Nepal, Botswana. I know that Someone from Vanuatu just landed this morning. I saw her come into breakfast and there was a big cheer as she landed. And so, and then, so we kicked off tomorrow evening. And yeah, so six teams playing out for the first fair break. And it's just a chance to see players from all over the world of different levels who play different amounts of games. We've got 17-year-olds raging to 36-year-olds. And it's the opportunity. They're all getting to learn from each other, different backgrounds and showing that cricket is really a global game regardless of the amount of money that's been put into it in your country throughout we've had people training running up and down stairs and then you compare that to how some of the other players who've come from the world cup you know you've got your england players you've got your heather knights sophie eccleston's here and how their preparation might be an indifference and then we're going to see what that brings on the pitch and what everyone brings to each other kicking off tomorrow night i've been at training today it is hot i can tell you that one but it's insane you see these players in the flesh you've got Players from Hong Kong, 
Tash Farrant and Shabnam Ismail bowling at them, absolutely loving life, you know. Bish bash bosh, Bob's your uncle, and they're loving life. It's, yeah, it's so nice to see. And there's, it's got quite a feel about it already. Everyone is just so keen to get going now, I think. And we had an event yesterday. Everyone's met each other, and we're all friends now. Might be a bit different when we got on the pitch, you know. It's gonna, it's, yeah, I think it's going to be really competitive. I think listening to you, you talk about it, Georgia, the enthusiasm you have in the in your voice. And but is this what the women's game needs at this minute in time? A direction it needs to take, so people can, you know, understand the women's game a lot better, understand it a lot easier, and see how skillful the women's game is. Yeah, I think it is as well, and I think that's what also maybe the lack of you know, equipment facilities that some of these people have growing up and getting into cricket, but then they're still reaching their national levels and they're still putting in those hours and that graft and they're going to perform against some of, you know, got World Cup winners here and they're going to be playing against them and alongside them. So in the women's game, it, there is so much of that skill base and so much, and I think a lot of them are just so enthusiastic. I know you say I sound enthusiastic, you should hear them. I'm nothing in comparison. They are just so keen to get going. Everyone's got their kit now. And I think... Once that first ball is bowled, it's sort of that realisation of all the effort and the work that's gone into it, obviously by the everyone at Fairbreak and SDG and Barmy Armour involved, you know, um, Gencore. And I think it's sort of, it's been almost a 10-year project, I think, to actually get to this point. Originally, it was meant to be in Hong Kong and then this, that and the other, you know, the good old Rona that we'd like to not mention anymore. Um, now in Dubai. And a lot of the girls, like I was even talking to Mignon Dupree the other day, she's not played at the Dubai International Stadium and it's, different for even her and it's got the lights all the way around which some of these players you know you see where they've been playing maybe over in Vanuatu or I spoke to um, one of the only players from Botswana today and she was like it's just insane to see a stadium like that and walking out in that in my team kit alongside World Cup winners alongside other associate players I think everyone's just really keen to get going like I spoke to Catherine Bryce as well she's a Scotland player but has played in the hundreds you know so she's one of the only people who has sort of played with and against a lot of people here whereas then you've got your you know your Sophie Devine giving tips of she was giving fielding tips to her whole team and you can tell that everyone from wherever is just latching on to different bits of information from higher up or other countries they haven't seen before and then people bringing everything in from their country and it's an amalgamation of that and I think it's going to be such a good way to grow the women's game globally. And just very quickly, Georgie, um, I think like a lot of cricket people, I didn't know, I hadn't heard of Fair Break, but um, I understand that it's an organisation promoting the twin principles of sexual equality and equal opportunity. Um, and there's a lot, there's a big, strong social outreach element, isn't there, to, to this? Is that a theme that, that you're aware of um, in the early stages? Yeah, I think so. And I think you can sort of tell, like, there's just people, you know, people walking around their eyes open, like, I've been given this opportunity, it is insane. But it almost it shouldn't be a surprise to people to have that opportunity just because you're a girl you should haven't done it or just because you come from a certain place you haven't been able to access these facilities so I think when it shows on the pitch just how good they are when the opportunities are there it's sort of going to be a bit of an eye-opener to people that you know that space is there in the women's game we saw it in the hundred and things like that last year especially for the women's game um and so I think it's just getting bigger and bigger and you can sort of feel it here it's ramping up and someone has notifications on for like google alerts and she's getting more and more by the hour so when it actually comes to the realization we're out on that pitch tomorrow night i mean i won't be out on the pitch no one needs to see that georgie so I, I find it's as exciting as the others do so yeah it's gonna be really good and i'll let you know how it all goes down once it kicks off tomorrow 
Yeah. Well, enjoy the first week and we'll definitely catch up with you next week. See how it's going. Fabulous. Thanks for having me. I'll try not to get too burnt, you know, because it is, you know, not to make you too burnt. It's quite warm. <laughs> Cheers, Georgie. That was Georgie Heath at uh, the uh, Fairbreak Invitational T20 in Dubai. All right, a couple of minutes left. Um, and here's a couple of news items that caught my eye, Harmi. Um, Kieran Pollard's been linked with Surrey for the T20 Blast. Uh, the PCA issued a statement in which they said the players were in favour of quality over quantity in the domestic calendar, which is something you've been punting forever. And a new T20 domestic tournament is to be launched in South Africa in January after a couple of failures. They had the Global League and the Mzanzi Super League, which did attract some overseas players, but this time <clears throat> I've got that frog. <clears throat> I've got your frog. He's <laughs> uh, gone to Cape Town. The- <laughs> Um, but this time they promise it's going to be the real deal. Uh, of those stories or, or any others, what's uh, caught your um, attention? It'd be great to get Pollard. Yeah, he's a you know he's a he's a winner, leader, winner, serial winner. Surrey have got the cash. Pollard <laughs> will go to Surrey. Um, simple as that. Uh, what about what, what's happening with this? Is South African League? When you, you look at it, is that because the broadcasters got on board? There's a couple of failed attempts because I'm not sure they've had fully you know, broadcasters got on board. The PCA, they can say what they want for me. Actions speak louder than words for me. And at the minute, it, all I'm hearing is words. Great idea to reduce cricket. Great idea to play a less cricket. Great idea to protect the groundsmen, to let them give them a chance to produce good pitches. Proof will be in the pudding when the actual actions come. So actions speak louder than words. I've, I've had enough of words now. Um, but what will happen within South Africa... Is it because the broadcasters are involved? It is, um, Harmi. But um, so the difference this time around is that there will be private owners. The the, the franchises will be owned, privately owned. And um, there's going to be a, a strong link and relationship with India. But seven of the eight franchises were bought, five of them by Indian uh, businessmen. Um, and of course, no Indian players have been allowed to play in other domestic T20s. If this time around there are some Indian players involved, and I know that time restricts them, then um, it could be very, very lucrative. Mm. Um, it's look, Supersport are the host uh, broadcaster, and um, they're also a stakeholder and a shareholder uh, in the new league. So it means that uh, they'll be able to run it and control it. Of course, the time difference with India makes South Africa very, very attractive as do the facilities and and the weather i mean they have got everything going for them it's just been domestic administrative chaos uh, that has prevented a, a proper league from from getting started it will clash with the big bash which um in january which i think by general um c- consent is is beginning to struggle isn't it the big yeah. bash really desperately it was needs bad year this year didn't it yeah very bad year um so um there's very cautious optimism that uh, it could work. And South Africa is a very country, uh, very popular country to play in, isn't it? I mean, mm. people enjoy going to South Africa to play. And the IPL has been there before. You know, the IPL has a connection with the IPL. If you've got Indian players playing in a domestic league around the world, i.e. in South Africa, for me, that's a game changer for your league. That is a game changer for your league. And that would be, it'd be interesting to see how it's administrated. But as always... You live in the country. I've travelled to the country many times. I've played in the country domestically. 
So sometimes South Africa go one step forward and two steps back. Hopefully, <laughs> for South African cricket, it's two steps forward and they can keep the, you know, the engine running and going because I think the vibrant South Africa is a, is a, a positive for world cricket. If the league um, succeeds, it wouldn't be nice. Um, it, it's more important than that. It has to succeed. Otherwise, the game is going to shrink by half, the professional game, by, by 50%. I mean, expenses are far, far exceeding income for Cricket South Africa. They absolutely, desperately need this to work. Um, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not exaggerating by any means at all. It has to work. It has to work. It has to be successful. It won't be, under any circumstances, immediately successful. Um, and uh, they are cutting their cloth to to fit in terms of finances, but it absolutely has to has to work. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Harmy. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed now available via the free Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time as always next week to look back at uh, round five of the county championship. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 